There it is. Okay, here we come, audience. Hold on. No, it's not Billy Idol. It's Bud Idol. (laughs) Tax the rich, feed the poor, tell there are no rich no more. us into another two-hour get-together here at the Radio Ranch. Thank you, Alvin, and 10 years after for your prophetic lyrics and song from so many decades ago. And uh, that's what we do is discuss all that stuff, how we might can change the world a little bit or at least our relationship to it. Uh, so, you know, you might get one, you might get the other. And so that's kind of what we delve into here for two hours on a weekday basis. We're glad to have you along wherever you may be listening live, listening here on the Jitsi board or uh, listening to the archives later. Thanks for taking your time to spend with us and finding that uh, what we do here is valuable to you, which is always great feedback so glad to have you along roger sales your host we're on the euro folk radio network following such illustrious other hosts as andy carrington hitchcock who just finished with a guy from uh the daily bugle or something one of these stormer daily stormer kind of guys pretty interesting he had a comment or two in there that i thought was uh interesting uh when he was talking about um other mixed uh, of ethnic r- mixes governing different countries mm-hmm. at the end there when he's talking about the half scottish guy that was over one of the african countries or whatever guiana i think uh he mentioned in there did you catch it jeff menon menon in argentina who was a syrian no, I th- I think I had to do something else at that time. I oh, think man. he was talking about Boris Johnson. With well, he was. It led into that, and then that led into this discussion of, and he named, I don't know, six or seven different examples of people with different ethnicities uh, governing a different country of ethnic uh, makeup. And yep. one of them he mentioned was a guy named Menon. And Menon was a president, I think, twice in Argentina. Well, he wasn't. He was Syrian. Uh, he might as well have been Jewish. He raped the country. Uh, and uh, the reason I know all that is he had a big finca. Finca is Spanish for farm and that area I lived in. Well, the biggest, to give you an, uh, um, a comparison, the biggest competitor for the area that I lived in down there in the western part of Argentina in the high desert close to the Andes is uh, the San Fernando Valley or uh, the, the San Joaquin Valley in California, that huge uh, valley that produces so much of, uh, of, you know, vegetables and fruits and almonds and walnuts and all that stuff. Well, that's exactly the same climate as down there in yeah, fruits and nuts in Argentina, and uh, except that where I was there is pretty interesting because it's high desert, okay, and it's uh, fed water-wise by the snow melt from the Andes, and there's two rivers that come out of the Andes that are snow-fed, snow-melt-fed, and they've got TVA stuff down there and got them dammed up, and, uh, and but they provide all the irrigation for... I don't have any idea how many kilometers. Uh, of course, everything slopes away from the Andes, so it's a gentle downhill kind of slope. But uh, they've got what they call concessions, which are irrigation canals that just honeycomb that place for, 
man, I mean 50, 60 kilometers in every direction, maybe even more. I don't know. But it's a an intricate um, network of, of uh, irrigation canals, and the whole thing is fed off these reservoirs and those two rivers, and there's not one amp of electricity used in the whole thing it's all gravity fed and uh so what the wrap is on the fruit and stuff that comes from that area is that because it's high desert and there's no rain it only gets watered through this mess of the, of the irrigation canals and so the fruit is sweeter because the sugar in the fruit is not diluted by rain and uh it's quite an area i, I really enjoyed living there but Menon had a huge finca there and raped the country i know one of the things he did um and because i was uh, you know earlier in my life i was a skier and they've got a really nice ski resort about two hours away it's a it's a world famous resort really called los lanius La, uh, which means no wood because it's at such a height of the andes that there's no natural trees up there and it's real barren and uh it uh, has old chairlifts and stuff. Well, Menon sold not only Los Lanius, but all of the land in the Andes and just even in a bunch of the land leading up to where the mountains start to the Malaysians. The Malaysians own a ski resort? So uh, anyway, that's I, I, I kept hearing stories of the country and where my buddy had a finca. Uh, there, uh, Menon had a finca out there close or his his uh, uh progeny did owned it i guess anyway so that just caught my ear out of that this morning and he didn't of course know any of that to elaborate on but menon kind of raped argentina but you know that's nothing new everybody that's been in any kind of a leadership position down there's kind of bent the country over so uh anyway sad but true uh so good morning it's a wednesday edition here and uh it is the 9th of march march the 9th 22 and uh i made a mistake yesterday i must have gone through thinking it was the wrong day because i noticed and it hit me last night and that i had put the seventh up in the when i posted yesterday's show i put the seventh so i got up this morning and i went in there and checked and sure enough there were two sevenths so I went and changed the date on that yesterday, but I guess I was a little behind in my work. These Tuesdays uh, get me in a real pinch, at least up until next week, because of this time situation. And I don't get off the air till one, you know, here in this. I'm on Eastern time at this time of the year. And then as of Saturday night, it switched to Central. So when I get finished at one, we get together for lunch about one fifteen to one thirty, And I can't get over there uh, anywhere near before a little bit close to two. So it puts me in this rush of getting stuff done and trying to get over there and all that. I'm kind of a punctual person. So it aggravates me when I uh, have to be late and stuff. Uh, you know, it's an American trait, by the way, is we're very punctual compared to the rest of the people in the world, I've noticed, or at least the part of the world I've traveled in a bit. So anyway, that'll change next week, and that'll be good, but uh, it had me hurry, and I guess I screwed up that date, but I got it corrected this morning for anybody looking in the archives. You'll get the right day. Um, so a uh, good day yesterday. Looks like we've got a stunningly beautiful day in Ecuador here, and the clouds are gone, and the rain, and the drizzly, and it's nice and sunny and bright, so uh, hopefully we're going to get back into our normal weather pattern, and uh, 
and uh, that's kind of where we are. Had a nice lunch yesterday, a bunch of real nice people, and there's some new folks that are coming around the group. We had a huge group yesterday. It was over 40, something 40, 42 or something eventually came in, maybe even a couple more than that, and that's pretty darn large for our little lunch get-together, you know. Uh, so that was uh, good. We got some really nice uh, new people that are hanging around, and uh, so there we go. And uh, let's get the get the show started here. Has anybody got anything uh, that they'd like to bring forward? Any questions? Any of you newer folks? We certainly, of course, the show's really for you. Um, it's for everybody, of course. But I mean, the newer people, we really like to concentrate on because we know that this uh, this little project and this information can get your head spinning a bit, and we like to try and get in there and answer any questions for you as you embark on your path to freedom uh and anything we can do to help we're right here to do that so if any of you are new and you want to come in here's the protocols don't put your hand up and be real polite and everything you just gotta open up your mic and find the mute button there somewhere and just say hey roger hey roger i got a question or whatever and barge your way in and uh we'll recognize you and then yesterday i asked for that and nobody does it and then at the end there's four or five people all wanting to talk at once so you know i have to pick the voice out and try and get who was first and all that stuff but if there's anybody new uh we'd love to uh, meet you and uh entertain any anything you got to offer so anybody new want to come in and say hello or anybody older want to come in and say hello or you got anything on your mind let's get it started now hi roger my name is omi omi Uh, yes and um i actually have a question for you because Um, I wasn't clear with one of the the videos or audios that I was listening to of you. Yes. Um, My brother is um, an immigrant. I was naturalized here, born here. I was an anchor baby. Okay. And I shared all of this information with him. And he wants to become a U.S. national, but he's scared that they're going to force him to be or say no to him because of a green card. Or he's already a citizen, but... um, he doesn't want to have to go back to his country or have a green card. Don't blame him. Uh, and uh, what you got to do is, you know, look. just look at the 14th Amendment, Omi. It's O-M-I. Is that how you spell your name? Yes, O-M-I-E. Oh. Okay, O-M-I-E. Omi, what, what's your uh, nationality, if you don't mind if I ask? Venezuelan. Oh, you're Venezuelan. Okay. So, um, congrats on getting out of there. Uh, the, uh, the situation, if you look at the 14th amendment, it of course reads all persons born or naturalized in the United States. Okay. So natural naturalized people qualify. And the, the requirement is that you're a U.S. citizen because as we go to the state departments, are you familiar and you've listened to some of my talks, I guess. So you go to the state department website, travel.state.gov is the address travel.state.gov and you want to put in the search uh bar there certificate of non-citizen nationality i'll repeat it again certificate of non-citizen nationality now that's a policy document from the state department it's really oriented at american samoans because they're non-citizens nationals we're just nationals and here's the differential the american samoans cannot be naturalized u.s citizens without being naturalized (coughs) excuse me they can't be in other words they've only got one side of the equation 
they're just a national. And they call them non-citizen nationals because to be a U.S. citizen and have both, they've got to naturalize. And then if they wanted to switch back and forth, I guess they probably could. You know, this is something you can do. It's your decision. But the important thing is to notice right there on the third paragraph, the very first ten words, and it says all U.S. citizens are U.S. nationals. So it doesn't say all citizen U.S. citizens who haven't been naturalized but were natural born it says all u.s citizens okay and uh so that is a duopoly in other words all u.s citizens are u.s nationals but the american samoans are non-citizen nationals and they're not birthright citizens or u.s citizens without naturalization so your brother in naturalizing entered the club Okay, he volunteered in to get those civil rights under the 14th Amendment. And in doing so, that qualified him because he's now a U.S. citizen. He's also a U.S. national, just like it says in the State Department's policy statement there. Okay, so when I was first getting into this and I didn't realize a lot of the things we know and understand now, and um, I thought it was still a black white issue, you know. And that there was kind of a trap door in between. And I didn't realize that what they had done was made both of these statuses equal, given us a dual political status situation. Okay, and that's how they had to overcome all the previous historical stuff, I mean, in specifically the Jim Crow laws. Okay, now you're, you were born here. Are you familiar with the Jim Crow laws, Omi? Not at all. Okay, well, this is a part of our history after the Civil War that actually lasted up until the 1950s. Okay, so it lasted almost 100 years. And the 14th Amendment caused this, all right? And because the 14th Amendment was primarily, and I use that word guardedly, primarily it was for the black slaves who were on a plantation, okay? And they were, of course, in a condition of, servitude slavery and they didn't have a political status they were things legally and so what the 14th amendment did was it created for the first time a federal citizenship and it moved these mainly principally black slaves from the southern plantation and it moved them onto the federal plantation. They didn't really change status. It may appear to them that they were free, but they were still in this scheme, now we understand, in a condition to where the federal government had a property right in them. Okay, And because of those differentials and the white people that had mostly run the country, the old state citizens, remember, before the 14th Amendment, there was no federal citizenship. It was a big void. Okay, And the only citizens of the country were if you were born in a state and you were a state citizen. And if you were a state citizen, you were a citizen of the nation. In other words, the prerequisite to being a citizen of the United States of America was you had to be a state citizen of one of the several states. If you weren't one of the state citizens, you didn't have a United States nationality. If you'd been born and raised in Washington, D.C. or the territories because you didn't have an affiliation with the state, you weren't a citizen at all, okay? And so when they created this federal citizenship, it filled that void. And it used to be, actually, if your brother would have been come to that this country back in those days, 
he would have naturalized through a state because it was the states that used to give people the naturalization process because then they were state citizens and citizens of the United States of America. By the way, that's why they label this a national is because if you were a state citizen, you were a national citizen. So all they did was just get rid of the state and put national up there. Okay. So uh, all of that situation and that history led up to a period of time where they had these laws called Jim Crow laws. Jim Crow was an old song from back earlier in the 1800s, and the name of it evidently is very, very popular. Uh, And it was uh, called Jumpin' Jim Crow. And so as this situation with the black slaves, former slaves came along, they took the popularity of that song and attached it to these laws in this situation. That's where it came from. Okay. And the Jim Crow laws were where you'd go up to a drinking fountain and you can find pictures of this on the internet. Go put Jim Crow laws in if you want to educate your brother a little bit and yourself and just look at some of the history because they've got his, you know, I mean, uh, anybody that can, a lot of people can remember this because it was, especially us older folks, it was in our memories when we were children, you know. I mean, I was born, this thing was still active when I was born. You go back to World War II, and they used to have all black uh, squadrons and battalions in, in, in the military. They were black and they were white, okay? And there's the separation. That's the Jim Crow laws. And for a long time, almost 100 years, it was uh, uh, you could go up to a drinking fountain and it'd have colored and white. There'd be one side for colored folks and one side for white, you know? If you went into, re- into restaurants or into restrooms or into even railroad cars, there was this segregation and separation. And those were called the Jim Crow laws, Okay. And it was this segregation of our society. And obviously it's not right, you know, but what was uh, uh, what was the dividing factor was not what was color, but it was also more importantly was this political status. But the, the color of the black folks was identified with the political status, even though it not, wasn't necessarily only for blacks. Okay. But that's uh, that's pretty complex to get into at this point. So let's just say there was this separation between black and white. And they had to overcome that if they're going to pull this scheme off. And that's what they did in 1954 was uh, with a case called Brown versus Board of Education. And they overcame a previous Supreme Court decision from the 1890s. And this is a very interesting case. It's called Plessy, P-L-E-S-S-Y v ferguson it was out of louisiana and it's a super interesting case because it really put an obstacle in their path that they had to overcome to pull this scheme off of making us all equal and uh that's what brown versus board of education did was it overturned this earlier decision which said which said uh, uh, a separate but equal the plessy decision in the 1894 time frame came back and it tested these jim crow laws and the supreme court came back and said separate but equal so you know from what i've just told you it's pretty hard to imagine that where you had to go to different facilities to use the bathroom get a drink of water eat a meal it's hard to believe that those were were equal but what they were talking about there was that both of them had a political status 
Even one was federal and the other one was the old state status. Okay. And so they overcame that. And that is what put everybody on the same plane to where your brother is now qualified to go over and exchange his federal status for his state status. Okay. So he's not going to get, uh, he's not going to get deported. And it, nobody that's done it, we've had a number of them, of, of uh, naturalized Americans that have done this, and nobody's ever gotten any trouble. We had Paget Now, Pageant, our, our, our little uh, lioness out in Southern California, who we hear from occasionally, um, her, her mother was South African and was born in South Africa. And for some reason, these guys at the State Department have a real, real hard time with South Africa. Uh, don't know all the history there, but they were gave her a big runaround. I think that's still in process of them trying to uh, pin her uh, guys to the wall there at the State Department. But she's about the only person I know of that has been refused and given the real, real supreme runaround on this. And my sense is that it has to do with South Africa, and I don't really know why, but they really, really hate South Africans. Okay, I mean, a uh, bore. The Boer South Africans, uh, the Dutch, if you will. Uh, but your brother had another situation here, uh, Omi. It's pretty interesting. Where, what part of the country are you in, by the way? Um, Florida. Okay. What part of Florida? West Palm. Okay. So you're down there in real Florida. All right. I'm from Panama City, so that's why I say that. Because mm. uh, so, we're like the Redneck Riviera. We're a different state from you guys down there. Um. We had a situation um, where, and I just, I just lost my train of thought. I'll get it back in a second. Um, uh, pageant, I ought to mention pageant. Um, I'll just have to go on. Oh, no, here, we got another gal from Southern, uh, Southern California named Anita, and she is a naturalized Thai, uh, Thailand gal. Very sweet gal, okay? And she had a friend uh, who was an immigration lawyer, for been an immigration lawyer for 31 years okay i don't know if it was a romantic friend or a friend friend or what the deal was just friend all right and so she learned about this and she went to her friend the immigration lawyer and he's going don't do that don't do that they'll deport you and so then i started feeding she said what do i do we keep getting in these arguments and i go well show him this state department document okay where it says everybody's equal and evidently now he doesn't want to talk about it anymore okay so uh we're we're right here and uh it's very tricky what they've done i would tell you another uh there's another situation you can look at it from a reverse way our our good student alan brought us this case and it's a case from the 1960s a supreme court case and it's it's uh uh, titled or styled, as they say, Afrohim, A-F-R-O-Y-I-M. I believe this is the way that's spelled, A-F-R-O-Y-I-M, Afrohim, versus V, Rusk, R-U-S-K. Now, Dean Rusk was the Secretary of State, and Afrohim was an, a naturalized Hungarian Jew, and he had come to the U.S. and naturalized, and then, and like your brother, okay, and then they caught him voting. Uh, let's say they caught your brother voting in a Venezuelan election, okay? 
And so back then they had some precedent and they were going to try and take away his newly acquired naturalized civil rights. But Afrahim took it to court, and it went all the way to the Supreme Court, and they ruled against the United States and said, you can't take away Afrahim's rights. Okay, now what they didn't, I'm sure, I haven't read the case, I just read the synopsis. I'm sure what they didn't say in the decision was that you can't take away his rights because they've got to be voluntary, if Afrahim volunteered legally to move to the U.S. and volunteered to get these civil rights under the 14th Amendment and to get rid of them, he's got to voluntarily give them away. Okay, so that is where your brother is. And if I understand his uh, trepidation, I think might be the word, his uh, uh, reluctance. and uh, But uh, all of the history and all of the facts, legal and lawful, uh, point to the fact that he can change over to this status if he wants to. Okay. Okay. So I might have told you the long way around, but it gets right right to that fact right there that these things are equal, and you got all kinds of precedents uh, there for him if he wants to move forward. And of course, this is his decision, and uh, that and I understand overcoming the fear of uh, either dealing with these guys, like a lot of people uh, have to overcome, including myself. You know, I used to be scared of them. Um, but uh, he's got a clear shot if he wants to uh, separate himself and truly be a free person. Okay, and then I had another question, but this one's more for myself. All right. When I was signing the paperwork, you know, the passport, um, it I noticed that it no longer has the U, and forgive me if I say it wrong, but UCC 1-308 on top. Should I write that since it, I don't see it on no, the paperwork? No, I wouldn't. You, you're talking about signing your uh, passport application? If yes. you write that in there, they're going to refuse it and say you've defaced an, uh, a government form, be my guess. So don't do that. You don't have okay. to do that. Your affidavit is declaring your rights. You're not going to have to go in and reserve them. Okay. Okay, and that's what that, in essence, does. If you're under the other status, it supposedly reserves these rights for you. And that's why people have used it, and they just didn't understand the way the system is structured. And what we do here is, well, you know, the Patriot Movement's never had this information, some of it on a general sense, but not the specifics that we cover here. And it's not just me, okay? I mean, I wouldn't know all this if it wasn't for my teachers, in all honesty. And then I did put my own uh, effort in here and come to a lot of conclusions that they had never arrived at that are very, very important. But I could have never gotten to that point without what they gave me as a basis. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. Well, well thank you. Glad you called, Omi. Your English is very good. Well, you were born here, so your parents immigrated from Venezuela? Yes, my parents came here from Venezuela. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, uh Happy to have you, and um, I'm glad for you and your family that you're out of there. That's pretty hard. Uh, hard. We got a bunch of Venezuelans where I live here. 
that mm-hmm. have gotten out of there and you know sell stuff on the street and at every traffic light and all that kind of stuff and it's sad because they're here illegally and they can't get le- legitimate work because they don't have all the papers and so they're forced to live out there on the street and do stuff like that and there's uh, unfortunately it's increased a lot of the crime here and uh, and a lot of that kind of stuff but uh it's it's a very sad situation what's happened in your country yes it is okay Elmi. well thanks welcome okay thank you uh-huh if you got any other questions you feel free to come uh, knock on our door okay okay all right great uh anybody else got anything they'd like to follow up on or add for Elmi? um i have a question for you in that regards to um Afrahim case which i have to go what? and read it but is that the case that solidified dual citizenship, which I have a huge problem with? I um, don't agree with dual citizenship. Well, no, it was Brown versus Board of Education that solidified that. And they had to do that to be able to pull this scheme off. This is Natasha, right? correct okay well here let me put it to you this way nastasha they couldn't pull this off if everybody was separate with these two statuses they had to make everybody equal and then hide the one that they don't want you to know about and that's what they did with brown versus board of education and to prove that to you if you as i was figuring this out and it started hitting me and i got very clear on it and i was trying to work my way through it mentally because before up to that point i thought it was an either or situation i didn't know everybody was both it still is an either or situation but i didn't think we had dual political statuses i thought it was still one or the other okay and it kind of is but i didn't know they were both equal at that point does that make sense well actually i'm talking about the dual citizenship to where afrahim could now vote in two countries he couldn't see that was the problem is they caught him voting in an israeli election which right but then it sounds like they said that he could continue no they didn't well, oh, they okay. did. Well, here's what happened. Before that, there had ever All right, hold on. All right, hold on. Right, hold on. Yeah. Roger, can yeah. I interject real quick? Yeah, go ahead, Gary. I think she's referring to like our Congress critters that have dual citizenship with, with the Israel US and Israel. I yeah. believe that's what she's referring and, to. And also dual citizenship with India. Um, I mean, all these other countries to where we have dual citizens now, that's very normal. It's very treasonous because of their compromise. It may may be an outgrowth of Brown versus Board of Education. Gary, could you hit your mute because you're getting some feedback from you there, I think, comes from you. You know, I'm referring to the one where... Let's get this noise out of the way. So, It's not Gary. Okay, all right. So uh, it may be, Nastasha, it may be an outgrowth of Brown, uh, you know, really versus Board, in that all of a sudden they had to give everybody here dual dual status so they could complete their agenda. And in doing that, it opened it up for other people to have dual statuses with other countries. Now, I'm just stabbing in the dark there. I don't know. But that may have been where that came from. Remember the, but remember the, um, oh, um, it was the Supreme Court judge that um, was a dual citizen, well, 
he he voted for the dual citizenship and his his um priority was Israel. Were you talking about like Brandeis or Frankfurter, one of those guys? Yeah. Of course there wasn't any Israel back then, but could have been. Look, no, no, no. I'll find it because it it actually there was an Israel at this time, and it was at that time that established that type of dual citizenship to where you could come from Bolivia and still be a Bolivian and also be a U.S. citizen and vote in both countries and so well, I'll, I'll find it okay find it. uh and and i don't know the answer to the question and i don't think we ought to be having dual citizenship with other countries Absolutely you know? not. I, i'm Absolutely and not. and i think a lot of that was pioneered for these israelis tell you the truth but it may have come from board versus brown versus board and that decision where we all internally have a dual political status uh right. i it just things i've never researched and i right. don't have an answer to you know okay I agree with you, and I'll tell you, there's a an attorney, a retired attorney in Boston, who's been trying to find out every means possible at his disposal how many dual citizens there are in the Congress, and they will not come off of that information. Of course, it's yeah. o- obviously targeted at Israeli dual citizenship. Um so, uh, but they had to get everybody equal, and this is what I was going to try and the point I was trying to make, because it was 60 days later that they put the 1954 Internal Revenue Code in place. Okay? They couldn't wait 60 days and before they got that Internal Revenue Code in. So there shows you that yeah. that was right at the end of their agenda and something that they had to do because getting the Internal Revenue Code, if you wanted to look at it in Freemasonry uh, imagery, I guess, would be what they call putting the capstone on. You know, right, right. So, uh, and that is, of course, the Internal Revenue Code we're under ever since. We've talked here the last couple of days, especially since the Ralph Winterroot situation, uh, because that's something Ralph and I were exactly on the same page on. And he's the only other guy that I've ever known that had figured that out, okay, that I knew of in our community. And so if you go back, and I can remember when I was tracing back those regulations and learning this and coming to understand it, every time I'd trace back a regulation, because you can trace them back, it is stopped at 1954. Okay, so that that 1954 Internal Revenue Code is really really important to them. And remember, the the IRS is not just for them to make money on. I'm sure they make a little money on it, but the IRS is there to stabilize and securitize the whole system because it's the IRS extracting your future labor to pay the bondholders that makes the whole thing work. Right. Okay. So, uh, and it's interesting, it came up there in Andy's uh, Andy's uh, talk this morning when they were talking about Boris Johnson. And I remember that's the first time that I ever heard of Boris Johnson was this story. And... Uh, uh, we had a listener that sent uh, the story in one day here, and it was uh, Boris Johnson, who now the Prime Minister of England, was born in New York. So he was a anchor baby. But he left the States when he was very young, and he never lived there again. But he owned a house, and when he sold it, 
the IRS came after him for the taxes on the house. And he hadn't lived there since he was a kid. And so there's your, that's a very interesting story because it shows you that they don't even shield the top people from the IRS. Okay? Not even yeah. people like Boris Johnson were shielded from this. And he went back and renounced his U.S. citizenship. But uh, that happened probably five years ago or something before he ever came to the limelight. But that was brought up this morning in Andy's uh, show there briefly. And, I, of course, they didn't understand the story like we do. Uh, but isn't that interesting that the they don't – I guess you got to be a small, small – member of the inner synagogue club like timmy geithner or something to be able to uh, know the loophole in this tax situation and be able to remove yourself from it so folks consider yourselves lucky because we know the loophole well there was even um i can't think of their name right now they own one of the famous hotels in new york and they're part of the inner circle with the city of london and when the matriarch of the family died, the IRS went after the inherit a portion the of the inheritance. inheritance. Yep, um, they were contesting some money that was still owed, and it was multi millions of dollars. So I, I found that very interesting because they weren't immune either. But then, as someone said, cockroaches eat cockroaches as well. So. Well, that's true, you know. And I remember uh, Geithner, little tiny Tim Geithner. He's he's a very diminutive guy, I guess, short. And when he was being um, uh, confirmed in the Senate for Secretary of the Treasury, which is also, as we know, Governor of the International Monetary Fund. The Secretary of the Treasury does not get paid by the United States; they're paid by the International Monetary Fund. And so, in front of congress or senate confirmation and they were asking him well when you know it came up in there somehow i don't remember the the exact sequence but it came up that he hadn't paid taxes in five years and his excuse was my turbo tax messed up and that's why he got the name turbo tax tim geithner you know and uh but i guarantee his daddy was a, a some kind of big financier guy involved in this up to his eyeballs no doubt and um so it appeared to me that tiny tim and some of those upper level guys if we could ever get a foia into the state department i guarantee you we'd find affidavits some sort of a disclaimer in their administrative file but they don't issue that information to everybody see now that tells you right there why they stand so mute on this and why it's so dangerous to them you know i i could i could have been on here for 11 years calling them dirty kikes and they would have never put me on any hate list ever because they're so scared of sending people to this and that shows you how scared they are of this information you always look at how they react that's what i've learned you know and to get them to stand mute when they got evidently millions of people that are filing these things and they're just standing mute it's very powerful what we've got and it's hard for people that just stumble on this okay big deal so what you know well so what all right this is the linchpin of their whole deal everything folds when this is exposed 
They got nothing. They got no power over you. They got no administrative agencies that control you. They can't come in and threaten you with any hate laws or white supremacist this or white supremacist that or any of that other crap. They're just literally defanged here. So it's very powerful. It just uh, and and then that power for you people new like Omi and and her brother and some of the new folks that are listening here you, 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 like Omi's brother well he's scared okay well he's he if he follows this path and he does the right things there's a good chance I can't say it's definite but there's a good chance that he's going to be re-empowered with the powers that he was meant to have at birth because that's as some of you are feeling nastasha you're a very good example you're relatively new how long you've been around here 90 120 days um i started listening to your show in october of um last year okay no august august of last year but i had already read your book some months prior to that well now due to your book that that led you, you know, to the I show moving forward well yeah. good all right well let me ask you uh here in front of everybody are you i can tell you're you're re-empowered okay you're obviously uh, a truth seeker and you've been around to get the information a lot of the information underneath you and i can just sense that you're going through that process okay it's a process it doesn't just happen one night to the next day but i can sense that in people you know no, I am a truth seeker, and even prior to this, um, I mean, I, like, as, as as an example, I mean, from the very beginning of March 2020, I was, you know, calling out the um, self-anointed dictators in our city and county <laughs> of Los Angeles for their, you know, unlawful... Um, mandates so i've always had that standing within myself to speak Mm -hmm. out to power Mm -hmm. and from way 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 back so and way back i also was trying to figure this stuff out trying to but it was through taxes trying to figure out you know how to get out of this system and um figure out you know, what the hell was going on, but I could never find any definitive um, information that I felt comfortable moving forward on. Nobody and, had it. Nobody had any definitive yeah. information, but John and Glenn. Right. And I didn't have the fortunate, you know, opportunity to come across their paths way back then. Right. So when I came across this um, and read your book, And because of my past studies, a lot of things within your book I'm familiar with, but not connecting the dots the way your book does in regards to this subject. Mm -hmm. So that was it for me from reading your book. And I also had been involved with um, some people within Jackie Figg's group. And so I I was circling it right around the same time that um, I learned of you, so, so well, thank you. We're glad you found us. Uh, you know, it's like me finding John and Glenn. I think there's some predestiny here. Um, yeah. Let me ask you, since you got you acquired uh, John's and Glenn's book on taxes, you, are you read very much of that yet? Um, I just have 
two chapters left. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually jumped to the end, reading the end of the book with still having two chapters left to read. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. I mean, it's, I am, it's, I can't, I, Anyone who doesn't read this book, they're missing out the, on such key information. You it's just don't just, understand what these guys, the sacrifices they made to get that yeah, imprint right absolutely. there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the strength of these two men. I mean, and then after going through all that, through the court case, Glenn went over and shook their hands, the prosecutor's yes, hands. Yes, yes. And, um, and, and then they still talking about like their humbleness, um, not that they wished any of this happened, but yet, yeah, I mean, I hate to say this term, but all things work together for good. They reference that because they ended up together. Yeah, right. (laughs) Being able to work through all of this and in a very concrete solidified way and um it's a hell of they, a it's a hell of a story it is i mean they should make a movie out of it <laughs> i mean it's a documentary a documentary now and it's um and it's nobody can dispute it it can't be disputed it's fully footnoted it's fully um yeah it's fascinating and it's it's a real privilege to have the book now and and i really appreciate you saying all that because i knew these guys and went through this with them you know so um the well, they almost handled it in a christ-like manner i i don't yeah. want to be blasphemous but that is you know honest and um yeah. now you have reached out i'll just tell a little story on you you've reached out and because you wanted to you were so made of it, motivated. You wanted to uh, get to at least thank Glenn personally for his contribution. So you sent me an email. So I think I found Glenn's email address here. And as Glenn wrote you back, he said, I'm not trying to hide from anybody. So, but you guys have exchanged some emails, right? I'm not yes. privy to all that. What a, what a heck of a guy Glenn Ambord is. Oh my gosh. He's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. He said, I'm not private. <laughs> Because I had found his address and I emailed you and I said how much I just wanted to write to him to thank him and and um, that his what he and John went through was not in vain and that their shoulders that we can stand on as a result of their studies and what they provided and um so thank you for that. Thank yeah, you. Well, you took the initiative. That was a real privilege. <laughs> uh, you know, and I kept trying. I think it was you that mentioned it. Was get Glenn on so we can like meet him and thank him and yeah. stuff. You know, and he just he's just reluctant about coming on the air. I mean, he's got other things he's doing, and as he told you, he's in in and out of court all the time. He's up helping yeah. people all over the place. Friends of his up there in their little individual battles and whatnot in life, and. Uh, and uh, maybe one of these days we'll get to get him back on here. And he's a he's a delightful guy, and he's really, you know, you don't meet yeah. people, at least I don't think very often in this life, when you cross paths with them 
and they totally change your life. And that's what these guys did for me, and that's what I'm doing hopefully with some of you folks, you know, and passing it along, passing it forward, as they like to say. But uh, I just exceptional, exceptional men. Yeah. And I just would like to have one minute to say something to Clay Martin. Yes. Clay Martin keeps referring to people, um, parallels to Jim Jones. And I just want to state, number one, if I met Thomas Paine, I would have the same respect. And there's there's a word in regards to respect. Respect for what people have done and devoted their life to. And that has an impact on another person's life because of the truth that has been put forth. Furthermore, the story of Jim Jones that we've all been fed is false. They had to destroy Jim Jones in his community. And so that's another whole thing that you can go and look up, Clay, to really find out what Jim Jones was really about but they've hidden it so much and what his community was about. And that was a psyop that they went after him. So, but I don't appreciate. Where do I look that up, uh, honey? Um, you have to research it. Well, I, 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 yeah, okay. So who, I'm just going to say, but who I don't what? appreciate, no, and I don't want to take up any more time with that, but you keep bringing up Jim Jones parallels. And well, when you worship Roger like he's a, a saint from, you know, nobody's worshiping. Look, I, I'm not, I don't think Nastasha does that, and I don't want anybody to worship me, okay, you know, Clay? So anybody. let's get let's get the terminology so, and stuff straight. Well, I, you know. When I hear this, I mean, it just is it's a turn off, Roger, when I hear people coming on and saying, oh, I love you so much. Oh, you've saved me. I mean, come on, people. I mean, you, uh, you've learned, you've, of course, you've done a good work. Roger, you, you've uh, you've taught a lot of people a lot of good things, but uh, this worship is just well. I, I'm it, not I'm not turning. looking for that, but I understand how some and, people. And when you when you when this Brent Winters man, uh, I'm, I'm, your worship of him turns me off. Well, then Clay, you don't have to listen, buddy. I didn't beg you to be here, okay? <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I mean, you're pushing yourself on. I'm uh, not pushing myself on anybody. I do a radio show, and it's voluntary that you're here. You're here, aren't you? Well, yeah. aren't you uh, taking over the dead man slot on uh, RBN now? Well, so what? What the hell's wrong well, with you? Where'd you come from? Oh, I came from out of the blue. Uh, well, obviously, it's what you sound like to me. <laughs> hey, Clay, buzz off. Yeah, Clay, you oh, know, there's a word Harvey. for respect. There's, here there's comes respect. Harvey. Uh, well, aren't you a rabbit? Aren't you a puka? A uh, uh, rabbit? Puka? Harvey? Hey, I think, I think you may be... Of your humor? I think you may need to go follow David straight there, Clay. He seems to be... Him and Anna seem to be a little more up your alley. Yeah. Okay. Okay? So I'll thank you, thank and we'll you. see you later. Thank you for coming forward. I appreciate well, Look, that. I don't beg people to be here. I, I talk to the people that come, Okay. Roger, you don't have to answer. You know, the rest of us What know. a crappy attitude you got, Clay, I, whatever your name I had, is. I, I'm sorry I had to bring that up, but, you know, he's... I, well, I there, just had to bring you know, it forward because the, it's constant... It's constant there's always got to be people with that type of attitude <laughs> that are always trying to yeah. run people down. You know... 
So. so somebody moderator, get him out of here. Okay, I got He's an infiltrator. Do what now? Hold on, Harvey. Welcome aboard, Nastasha. You were talking, and uh, I didn't even know. I've never even heard this Clay guy before. I kicked him out. I kicked him out. Do what now? Hold on, Harvey. Welcome. I just don't. I personally. I don't follow anybody. I am not a follower. And so I don't appreciate someone referencing because I'm, I have respect for two intelligent individuals who really provided information that is really impossible to find. And so that's why I had to speak up and say something to Clay because I'm not going to be accused of being a follower Uh, that's the last thing i am never has been never will be see i don't want anybody to follow me i want you to go out and empower yourselves and be strong that's the way we're all strong and we complement each other okay hi rogers this is laura rivera from los angeles hi laura thank you too i'm i'm in the same line as natasha thank you for just being well grounded and you know just living your mission and allowing us to live ours and educating us in this road. I appreciate it. And Natasha, I totally agree with everything that you said. I love people who are intelligent and who love the truth. And this guy, Clayton, the first thing that I didn't, or Clay, I didn't like that he called you honey. And I thought that was very disrespectful. Very, very derogatory comment and tone. Yes, so I just want to yep, let that you, said it all. Mm-hmm, that you. said it all. So, so I'm with you. Uh, I think that also the other thing too is he's treating us like little kids, as if we don't, we can't make our own decisions. And and you know, there's there's a word to call these gentlemen who suffered um, and who went through a lot for all of us to know the truth, and that is humbleness. And um, humility and humbleness, you know, is, is, is how you gain truth and wisdom. And these two guys have it. And, and obviously you do too, Roger. And uh, you're well-grounded. And I thank you for all the work you do. And I thank everybody else for, for just inputting, you know, asking questions and having an input. Because we're, we're all truth seekers. And uh, that's, that's my two cents there. Yeah, people like Clay. Let me ask Clay. He's not here anymore, thank goodness. But what's your contribution been, big boy? What sacrifices have you made rather than throw around sarcasm and cynicism and throw barbs at people for your own jaded uh, view of life? Okay, so go find somebody else to listen to. Why do I? Why do I give Brent Winter compliments? Because he's a great guy who's made great accomplishments in this life and helps clarify people. He's very grounded, and I really appreciate people like that. Okay, I like people that make sacrifices for others. Roger, I got a question. Okay, Samuel. Uh, have either of uh, your mentors that did, did they change status or no we didn't know well no, they but they of course know about this now and glenn uh has never to my knowledge and john was close to death as this came back i don't think that he did either but no to answer your question to the best of my knowledge no okay you're just interested um i uh was uh I sent you something. Um, have you ever heard of a group called the Radhanites? Never. That is such an amazing subject. Very hard to find anything on. 
but I stumbled over them when I was looking into the Khazars. And these guys are probably one of the influences that got them to change to Judaism from sun god worship. And they were located in France, protected by the Frank kingdom. They were Jews. They had the, the original trade routes from France to China several hundred years before the Italians get involved, the Italian city-states get involved. They were, some people say, spoke between 20 and 30 languages. <laughs> I guess you would have to if you're covering that kind of distance. But it makes me believe that maybe there was a thread in language that was maybe universal yet at those times. But it's just an amazing thing on these guys. So I, I did send you a link to one of the few videos I could find. And it's by a young man. I say he's probably about 15 or 16 years old. It was his first YouTube um, video that he did about uh, two years ago. Anyways, look for it. It's it's just fun to watch him speak. When did you send it, Samuel? Uh, I think during the show today. Okay, all right. So it's sitting there. I haven't looked at it yet. All right. Well, I'll tell you what I can do is, uh, since you brought it up on the program here today, I can uh, get that and stick it at the end of today's show description for anybody else that wants to go check that out. Oh, and, and by the way, he would, they were at their peak around just before the end of the pretty much from 500 they say to 1000 is when they were 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 working and the, and Charlemagne gave him carte blanche um and in a uh, a coin stamped in Charlemagne's image came up with it's it sort of in profile version right mm -hmm. i mean he looks like jimmy durante hmm. <laughs> so and there's a lot of feelings that maybe he was leaning a little bit more in their direction than people realize. Um, but he was allowing them to take, he wouldn't let them take Christians, but he was allowing them to trade the Saxons that he would capture that were still pagans uh, to the trade routes. Interesting. Well, what, what uh, the Radonites, is that what, how you pronounced it? Radhanite, uh, R-A-D-H-A-N-I-T-E. Okay, well, I'll look at that. Uh, that sounds worthy of discussion and certainly worth knowing about. I've never heard of them before, Samuel. They yeah, me either. You got, well, you got you, you to do better on this deep research of yours, okay? Well, I'm, I really love history and uh, finding out about these guys. I mean, these obviously highly intelligent, and these roots – later on were the roots that uh, people like uh the uh the italian city-states took up yeah but several hundred medici years, medici and the marco polo crowd but several hundred years after uh i guess when the ting dynasty failed about 60 years later the um the uh kazarians uh were were divided up and it, it, this is what created a tremendous amount of chaos in those trade routes. They were no longer safe. They were being attacked by the 
by the northern tribes coming down and it was very dangerous so they just didn't exist for about two three hundred years and that's no after spice it. on the tables they say no spice on the tables in europe in those periods of time is that right well i know i've seen some stuff on youtube you know about you know what it was like to live in those times and the the most the, the the most precious thing in a household was the spice box and they kept it under lock lock and friggin key okay yeah it was uh and spices were incredibly expensive and that's why they kept them under lock and key because people would steal them you know uh and the key was the uh was to the lady of the house had the key to the spice box so anyway um it amazes me that we've got people like that guy clay on here and sitting on our forum and putting on see i don't read what goes up in the chat room so uh so i don't ever see those kind of remarks nastasha so i'm glad you brought that out honestly and it reminds me of the uh caller that i had when i was on with tom d here a couple of weeks ago that first guy out of california richard that called one night from silicon valley that was just so he's worse than this guy, really. But uh, but it's it's sad that there's people out there like that. And uh, you know, I do this out of a sense of duty. I don't charge y'all any money for it, unless you just want to do a private consultation or whatever. It's only recently that I've even been uh, really asking for. And I don't ask for donations, but people have been sending me donations. I did when I was going through this move situation, you know. But uh, I do this out of a pure sense of duty. And out of a sense that I knew from early on how important this was, I didn't know the full importance of it, obviously, but I just sensed always from the first time I ever saw a non-resident alien in the tax code there that there was something really, really important here. And that's what drove me for many years. And then I'd try and hand this off to other people and say, you know, look at this when you <laughs> like you go carry it. But nobody ever well, they not only did they not carry it, they couldn't even understand it. Okay, and so at some point there along the line, I, I had a little conversation with the big guy, and I said, "Well, I guess I'm the guy here that uh, needs to carry this forward because nobody else is gonna, and it can't just be put aside and go dormant. It's too damned important." Little did I know at that point the overall importance of what we do here. Okay, and so it's that sense of duty and that sense of of having. Well, having a monopoly, in essence, because uh, for a long time I've had a monopoly on this information. I'm trying to give it away to people, okay? But nobody else understood it. And you can see from the other people in our quote-unquote community that go around. I mean, we mentioned uh, Anna uh, and, and David Strait. And I don't know. I don't go study their stuff. I, don't, I hear from it from you guys, you know, different comments and whatever. I've never gone and watched a David Strait presentation. I've never read anything that Anna put out. and uh, uh, But I just know this is the raw truth right here because it absolutely works. It's proven. Roger. And it Roger, absolutely Roger? makes them stand mute. Yes. I have a quick question. I'm sorry. Somebody else wanted to ask you something. Okay. Um, yes. Go ahead. Um, I just wanted to make a statement. Um, you know, with everything that happened earlier, I just feel like, Roger, it's not when we say thank you. And I. this is Omi. When I say thank you, it's because I know that this information 
if somebody wanted to attempt to um, like hurt you or get rid of you because of the monopoly that you have. I understand the risk on your life that you're putting just being able to speak. And that's the reason why I think it's okay. And I appreciate you for speaking and everyone else for saying thank you to you. Well, I appreciate that, and it's always, you know, great feedback to get recognition. I've I've made a lot of sacrifices here, okay? I've made a lot of personal sacrifices along the way here, okay? Thank you. That's all I wanted to okay. say. Okay, well, I appreciate it, and I appreciate you thanking me, and I, I'm not trying to put myself up at any kind of a, a super special figure. I, I, in fact, I come on here and tell you I don't know how the hell I was selected to do this, but obviously I was. Okay, and just the same way that you're thanking me is exactly what I do with John and Glenn. Okay, and I remember one time when I just got in Argentina and I was down in Buenos Aires and I was staying in this really nice hotel that I'd stumbled into by accident. And the guy that owned the hotel and I had just hit it off. You know, and so he gave me a discount on the room and he let me use one of their conference rooms upstairs. And I called John. It was right after John and them got out of prison. And it was about the first time I'd talked to him in a bunch of years. And I broke down like a baby. Thanking him for for changing my life, because that's what this information did for me. And I know that's what it's going to do for a lot of you. The deeper you get into it, some of you, it's already done that. Okay. And I was just so grateful to him. And that's exactly the context that when some of you thank me that I put that in. Okay. So just to let you know, I mean, I cried like a baby with him that day. Sometimes you still cry. And it really touches my heart. I wanted to ask you, you referenced non-resident alien. So a nation of United States of America is also referenced as non-resident alien and also citizen evidence? Yes, in the tax code only. Okay. Now, Mm -hmm. that's super important and for several reasons. Realize that there's what's running the country and the world by default is the administrative state, all these administrative agencies. Okay, that's the deep state, quote unquote. That's where you get your man made laws. All right. And so there are 50 different law books that address the administrative state, and they're called the Code of Federal Regulations. CFR is how they're referred to. And here's the setup. you got three sets of law books in the law library. Was this Omi again that I was speaking with, that we're speaking with? Um, this, is, this is Laura. Okay, Laura, I'm sorry. I get y'all's voices mixed up. So, Laura, there's three sets of law books in the law library. One's called the Organic Statutes at Large. Those are the real laws that are supposed to be constitutional of the United States of America. Then there's another group of law books called the United States Code, and what they do is they take laws passed by Congress and signed by the president in that other group, the organic statutes at large, and they move them over to the United States Code. Well, first question is, why do you think they call it code? Okay, so uh, they can move those either in whole or in part, and so there's some 
areas of law in the United States Code that are called positive law, and there's some of those titles which are classified as non-positive law, which means that they weren't passed over exactly from that or, or other set of books to this set of books, or they weren't in the other set of books at all. And the reason I say that is because the only one of those that fits that criteria is the Internal Revenue Code. The Internal Revenue Code was never voted on by the Senate, and it was never signed by the President. Therefore, it never went into the organic statutes at large. It was automatically put and voted on by the House of Representatives only after the bankruptcy, and it was put into the United States Code straight. It bypassed those others. Now, why and how did they do that? They did it because the House of Representatives has exclusive jurisdiction over Washington, D.C. Nancy Pelosi technically runs Washington, D.C., okay? And so they just, and because this is a federal income tax, and this is why they had to go to all this trouble so they could apply it to people out the old state citizens, and not just to federal citizens that are under the 14th Amendment. This is why they've got you asked, answering those questions. Are you a resident? Are you a citizen of the United States? So you can volunteer into where you can be controlled by this tax code. Okay, So it was only passed by the House of Representatives. It was stuck into the uh, Title 26 of the United States Code. And then underneath all those 50 titles of the United States Code, there's another set of law books, Laura, and those are the Code of Federal Regulations. Those are the law books of the administrative agencies where man-made appointees, not elected representatives, in Congress, but man-made and appointed uh, man-appointed uh, people that run these agencies do what they call as a legal term promulgate, promulgate or make these regulations. And what they are supposed to do is take the legislation that's been passed by Congress and gone through this other route, and they're supposed to interpret it to where the agencies can enforce it. But this is where, you know the old saying, you don't ever want to see sausage made? You ever heard yeah. that? Okay, well, yeah. this is sausage being made right here, okay? And so <laughs> now you've got appointed bureaucrats that go in and totally, in some cases, change the original intent of that original legislation, 180 degrees, to conform it to whatever they want to accomplish. <laughs> And then it's promulgated into regulations, and that's what's enforced on you, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, a lot, that's a long way to get around to Title 26 of the Code of Federal Regulations. Now, there's 50 of those titles, just like there's 50 titles of the United States Code. Each one is a subject matter relationship, okay? And in 49 of the 50... On the front page, their jurisdictional statement on who they can enforce these regulations on and who they apply to is residents, Mm -hmm. not citizens of the United States, just residents. So it incorporates all the citizens of the United States and all of the people that have green cards. So now the people with green cards fall under their jurisdiction. That's why they did it like that. Okay, So the only one that's different is Title 26 of the Internal Revenue Service. And the reason, I think there's probably two reasons that it's different. One is so that a few guys like Tiny Tim Geithner can file an affidavit and get out of paying taxes 
very few of those, evidently. But the other reason is because there's two sections of the Internal Revenue Code, the tax system, which were constitutional. So they had to keep them in the picture. And because of that, they had to put both statuses into their jurisdictional statement of the Internal Revenue Code in the Code of Federal Regulations, Title 26. Now, you've probably heard us talk about this before, but now that you've got that background, let's go in and look at that jurisdictional statement, okay? And it reads, an income tax is owed by all individuals. And it's very interesting they'd use that word individuals there, but I'm not going to get off on a tangent on that. An income tax is owed by all individuals who are citizens of the United States or residents. So there's your two slave categories, okay? And to the extent of 871B and 877B, those two constitutional tax sections, all non-resident alien individuals. That's the only place it's used and identified like that. Okay? Now, why did they do that? They did it to hide it, obviously. Because somebody that's reading that, either a tax attorney or a tax preparer or somebody like that, sees that, and you automatically think it's Jose the tomato picker, okay, that came over across the border to pick crops, right? That's exactly what it leads your mind to believe. And what they've done there is they've taken the national status and they've replaced it with that very confusing and ambiguous term because now, according to the 14th Amendment, if you're a resident, you're in the 14th Amendment, right? And so when they use the term non-resident alien, they're saying, oh, you're non-resident to the residency of the 14th Amendment, and because you're a state citizen or a national, then your status is alien from the 14th Amendment federal citizenship. So that's how they're using that. And those are the links that they've gone to to hide this. Now, let's look at it and back to this is why I teach basics. There's only two statuses. You're either free or you're a slave. There's no in-between. There's no morphodite in here, okay? You're either this or you're that, all right? So in the tax code, that's why they went to all that trouble, because they couldn't say, Laura, they couldn't say this. An income tax is owed by all individuals who are citizens of the United States or residents, and to the extent of 871B and 877B, all non-citizen nationals. Of course, then, you know, they, they let it out. They let it loose. Then somebody's going to be going, well, I don't know what a non-citizen national is, but they've only got responsibility for two sections of this tax code, and I'm going to go find out who they are. Okay? So that's why they did it. Now, let's take the opposite of a passport application and the oath. And they couldn't say in the oath for the passport, I swear under penalty of perjury I'm a citizen of the United States or a non-resident alien. Because anybody that does go to the trouble to read the oath is going to go, well, what the hell is Jose the tomato picker doing applying for a passport? He's an alien. So see, so that's why I believe they went to the whole trouble of American Samoans so they could use that non-citizen national in the oath to the passport application. Mm-hmm. Okay, because the average person that's reading that most or less, you know, first of all, the average person is not going to read it. They're just going to sign it. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, but the person that does read it is going to go, well, let's see, I swear under penalty of perjury, I'm a citizen of the United States or a non-citizen national, and it goes on, you know. But at that point, their mind is going, well, I'm not sure what a non-citizen national is, but it's not a citizen because it's a non-citizen. And I know I'm a citizen because I've been Pavlovianly conditioned to know that I am. So I know I can't be that and not look any further. I think that's the whole reason they put that in there. All right. Mm-hmm. But you take those two and go back to the primary uh, gotcha that there's only two statuses. You're either free or you're slave. Now that mm-hmm. allows us to go, okay, well, I know there's only two statuses. Which one is this? Because, mm-hmm. you see, it doesn't matter what they label it. And that's how they've tricked us is just changing the label on this free status. Correct. Correct. So does that so make sense not- to you? Yeah, totally. Totally. So, for example, if there's an application and it gives you the the choice of of resident alien non um, U.S. citizen non resident excuse me U.S. citizen resident alien non resident alien so we are non resident alien yes you'd be a non resident alien because as John said when I was first figuring this out and I called John several times <laughs> on a couple of sticky points <laughs> on it you know and so John I remember him saying to me he said well everybody in the world is either a resident or a non-resident you got to be one of the two mm-hmm. okay so a non-resident alien would be the natural status if you ever see it anywhere in a document i've never seen it offered or proffered anywhere except in the internal revenue code uh, and i've seen loans mortgage loans. really uh-huh. All right. Yeah. Well, then there may be an answer for people. Or I had a question yesterday about somebody going in and applying for a mortgage. Do they do it as it was Ephraim at the end of the show? Do we do it yeah. as a national or whatever? Well, if they offer you that option, non-resident alien, that's the one you ought to check. Got it. Thank you so much. Yes, yeah. Ephraim. Have because I'm I'm at work and I'm at work right now too, but we have a late start. So, um, so I'm so happy I came on because I heard Natasha. I heard um, the, the other uh, woman from Florida who's yes, Omi. Omi, yeah, my husband's from Venezuela, and it's just wonderful that more people are coming on board. Um, so today I learned uh, several things. Well, I knew that a national of the United States was also called citizen. Citizen ev- citizenship evidence, but now I learned that non-citizenship national is also another name, and non-resident alien is also another name. Yes, there's another one they use called <laughs> territorial citizens. It's over in Title Eight, and the way they do that is they've got national defined. Okay, Title Eight is immigration stuff. Okay, I believe, and they've got a, a, a national is someone born in American Samoa, Swains Island or the outlying territories. You know, statutes are supposed to be very specific and not ambiguous. And this, hello, somebody's got their fire engine on. So No, no, I'm a, I'm a school teacher. I'm uh, sorry. I okay, well, that's okay. Well, let me. And uh, so, um, that, uh, and I, now I've lost my train of thought, dadgummit. Um, but. So you- about Samoans and how they are. Okay, well, all right. Yeah, this it says a national. Now, it doesn't say a non-citizen national, which is what we know American Samoans are, right? It just says national. And it says a national is anyone born American Samoa, Swains Island, or the outlying territories. 
The what? Well, what are those? Well, how about Iowa, Nebraska, California, Nevada, Arizona? Those no way. Are, yes. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay, who would have figured that out? Well, nobody. That's why they've got it termed like that. Wow. <laughs> and the only reason, you know how I figured to see, I, I knew the feudal system and I knew a lot of this stuff, but I'd never been able to pin it down. And okay. I was having a discussion after the book came out with Larry B. Kraft, who's a pretty famous, uh, infamous, uh, if you will, patriot attorney. And Larry doesn't believe in all this, okay, can't think outside the box. And so well, this term national was coming up, and so he flips me the Nationality Act of 1940. And that's where they set all this stuff up. Was back uh-huh. right at the start of World War hey, II when everybody's distracted. Hold on just a second, Chuck. And right at the start of that is a big. It's over in the organic statutes at large. You know that first book, book for law books. And so at the first of that act, and you can go look it up. It has all definitions, and uh, it, it, they they set it up in one of those definitions in there. And one day I read that to Brent Winters on the air. And he said, Roger, I've never heard a bigger bunch of crap in my life. But he didn't say crap. but uh, And that's what they did is they set it up in this 1940s legislation. And then when they move it over to the United States Code, they, they mess with it and set it up to where it's territorial citizens along with American Samoans so they could hide the national state citizen behind the American Samoan non-citizen national. That's the way these guys work. Okay. Hey, Roger. Yes. Is that Chuck? Yeah. Thank you, Roger. Yeah, you, you're welcome, Laura. What what you got, Chuck? Well, I was just want to uh, say that <laughs> that that was a sticky point for Ralph. Ralph could not come to terms with the the outlaw. Oh, you mean you mean the dead guy? Yeah. What a, <laughs> what a what a really crappy remark, Clay. Please don't come back to our forum. I know. With that, unless you check your attitude at the door, because you got one <laughs> shitty attitude, man. Go ahead, Chuck. That's what he was he was spouting off in the chat yesterday. That's why I cut him out. I he I can't take it anymore. Uh, he's disrespectful, um, cynical. <laughs> we, yes. Um, well, and the thing is, look, if you got questions or you you got prob- uh, problems with something that you said, you just need to come in and ask. I. You know, um, so anyway, Ralph had a problem with the outlying territories. He could not come to grips that those were included. <clears throat> and see, Ralph was a pretty, he was a black letter law guy. Well, what kind of black letter law is that in a statute, outlying territories? Oh, yeah? Like which ones? There's no specificity yeah. there, see? Nope. And it's just well, like the example I use, Chuck, and I've used it a couple of times, and it, I, tr- I attribute it to you because you're the one that told me, okay? And you were talking to him and trying to get him to, uh, uh, to understand this, and Ralph went back with his engineer background black-letter law approach, and he ran a search on Title 26, and he came back to you and said, National's not in there anywhere. Well, no kidding. Because it's as a non-resident alien is how they identify it. And but it, see, this is why if you go chasing what they say in statutes, you're going to get off track every time. Because this example right there is a perfect example. 
you're not thinking like your enemy and they're playing you like a $3 bill. Yep. And they're just things. They're little. He was close. He was so close to, to getting it. If he could have gotten just the concept of what they were doing. Well, that was the process. Well, that was the problem Ralph had is he couldn't look at this conceptually. He had to see it in writing in a word. Yep. Yep. Okay. And there's the difference right there. And what that meant for Ralph is that he couldn't think like the enemy thinks. He can only think like he thinks. Well, he's trying to, he, he's looking at it too. Um, he's got to have something concrete. Oh, well, and I understand because he's going to court. Going to court. Okay, well, yeah. that's right. See, that's and because he, that was his goal is having to help people in court, my goal is to keep you out of court. Yeah, well, and the, he, but the thing is, is those people he was not, that he was helping, he wasn't helping them from a U.S. national standpoint, so it wouldn't make any difference. No, that's right. He, he and I think this him going back and forth in between the stuff kept him uh, off balance. It probably you know? did. It's difficult. Yeah. You got to put your mind in one camp or the other. You know. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to that James one eight: a double-minded man's uncertain in all of his ways. You're doing that. You're double-minded. Well, I mean, okay. So I'm a U.S. national. I can understand common law, and I can abide and work with it and live in it. But if I try to go back into administrative law and try to understand all that stuff, what what's the point? No point. I, I don't want to have anything to do with it. That's no. the whole point. You sure don't. This. You want to separate yourself like it tells us to come out of her, my people come out of her. I mean, for him, though, I think it. Uh, he's like, it was his... Um, his fire the thing that he he was finding all this stuff in there i mean and he found more stuff just recently and he was ready to go to battle i mean this is what he was living for and it's just like a, did you go back and listen to the show sunday night on Ralph's no. well if you do and that's what the way i opened the program was i can't do what ralph did Okay, and he yep. is to a large extent irreplaceable in our community now. I mean, there's some attorneys that make an attempt to do as good a job as he did. Okay, don't know that they could. They might be able to. Don't know. Okay, but I don't know of anybody else in the patriot community that's not an attorney that could have a, this amount of information and knowledge and working knowledge of that rule book of the administrative state the irs and go in there and go toe-to-toe with them on people's problems and i think you'll admit there's a lot of people that have uh, are in some degree of problems with these guys and when they come to me here i don't have anybody to refer them to now no and see like he they a lawyer can't do what he was doing he said on that uh, <coughs> audio that I sent you last night, he said in the first part of that, right after that call um, w- between his friend and the prosecutor, he made the comment that he has, he's gotten two, he's talked to two different or three different lawyers on this issue. And he's like, man, we can't do that. We cannot touch it. That That is truth. And you cannot enter that truth into the court system or they'll kill me or they'll disbar me. Yep. And they, they always hang that over the head. And he of course didn't have that 
liability. R- Ralph, what, R- what Ralph was doing is exposing it as an old star tra- chamber technique. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's probably a good, very good description, Samuel. And I mean, uh, you know, uh, I'm sorry Ralph's gone. And uh, and uh, it's kind of difficult in one respect to go over there and try and fill in for him in that spot. But what I'm going to do is try and re-educate his people. And hopefully we don't run across too many people that have already gotten in some problems. Um so and it's uh you know it's unfortunate but uh ralph was a great contributor and a great warrior and and uh had had amassed volumes of expertise and, and information helped i guess quite a few people and uh i'm you know sorry to see he's not with us roger yes um i have a question it's omi again hey omi um so what i'm understanding from this conversation that you're having um, you have to be national, uh, U.S. national, before you can do things like uh, land land patent. Like yes. Patent well, you know, and that's a very interesting question, Omi, because it was Samuel here that was just speaking a minute ago that brought us Ron Gibson, okay, who is a specialist in this land patent getting a lodial title to your property. Now, when Samuel brought him to us, and you can go back and find if you, and I'm not sure the exact date, but it, I believe it was in 2020, and it was either, it was at the first of February or the end of January, and I'm not, I think it was one of the first weeks in February of that year, on a Friday. So you go back in your calendar and look for specific dates, but in the archives over there on Castbox, my archives. There's a show where we had Ron Gibson on the air here, and it was a Friday, and Brent was on with us. So we had an attorney who's pretty familiar with land stuff because that's how he got into lawyering in the first place. Okay, it was disputed claims and whatnot in his mining career. And so uh, we had Ron Gibson on for two hours. All right. And what was interesting to me was that what ron does is he didn't know about getting people free to be a national before you go get your land which you can now own okay and what he was doing was helping people get their land and evidently by default they got their freedom along with it because if they weren't free they couldn't get a loyal title to their land okay so that's why i say there's more than one way evidently to skin a cat here but for most people that i i it's just a it's just an unusual thing for me because it shocked me and i think samuel mentioned it to ron and it shocked him but he never fully understood it i don't think the way we do because we have this knowledge on on changing your status and what it means but evidently if you go in and have qualify to get find the land patent on the land that you don't have a mortgage on or any payments on anymore and maybe you're still a federal citizen by acquiring a loyal title to your property you become a natural by default evidently isn't that weird yeah Okay. Roger, uh, I I think that he he knew this. I mean, he's generally oftentimes a guest in seminars and stuff with David Strait. Now, David Strait is one of those guys that uh, the jury's still out for me. But I've heard enough people uh, not like Anna. I think Anna's completely out. But I, David, I think, may have some saving graces and. Especially when you talk about people who might already be in trouble, okay? Um, 
that's why I think it's important to find out if David Strait's statement about Bundy and him filing three times the affidavit and then he gets to speak in court might have some relevance. Um, but uh, also in talking to Mr. Gibson, um, it appears that he approaches your land patent a bit different in his writing if you're a national versus a citizen. Okay. Could be. So, I mean, it's uh, it's totally new to me, and that's not something that's on you know my my priority list. So, uh, but I know it is with some of you folks, and I understand all that. Okay, but I just thought that Omi, that was unusual when we stumbled into it because I've maintained on here there's more than one way to do this, but our way here is specifically designed to be as simple as possible so that it can be understood as quickly as possible by anybody that's quote-unquote normal, if that's a relevant term, and that they can get to a point fairly easily where they'll take action on it. So it's more of a cookie-cutter approach than, say, David Straits. Here, I'll give you a, a, different, a different analogy. His affidavit's 32 pages. Ours is one paragraph. Wow. Hey, Roger. Yes. This is Mike from Birmingham. Hey, Mike. Hey, uh, I'm going to let you know your information is straightforward in a lie. I've tried to listen to David straight on YouTube. You know what he reminds me of? Of a guy who says, we got this, we got this, we got this, but wait, there's more. <laughs> That's what he reminds me of. I'm sorry, but that's how I see him. Okay, well, I've tried I, to listen to him. I appreciate the comment. That's how I kind of find those guys too, you know. And here, just the, recently, somebody's come back with us saying that one of the things David wants, I'm not picking on him, okay, I'm just making an observation, that uh, one of the things he tries to get you to do is claim your water and your air rights. Have you heard that? Yeah, and something about uh, certification, birth certificate. I'm like, what are you talking about? See, it's, it's just, just strange. They well, they just don't understand what's really going on, and so they're reaching out and trying to find something that works in their mind. And then when it works for them, on that's the gospel. See. Uh, and now they teach it and now our problem is when some of those people come around here i gotta help those people unlearn it if i can and some people it's almost impossible then there's a video of him talking about oh yeah i met donald trump and he said yeah i need it easy to become a national here's your information thank you i'm like this guy's full of shit <laughs> well i don't know i about had a that. problem <laughs> i had a problem with david Strait when i listened 10 minutes into his one of his talks, and it was just, I've been doing this for so many years. You can either go and research everything I'm telling you and see if it's true, or just trust me. And when I hear, or, and that's what he was pushing, just trust me. It was like, bye-bye, David Strait. I don't just trust anybody. Well, see, that's why I'd point everybody and say, go make this yours. Don't believe me. Okay, you go look at it on the screen. You go read those first 10 words in that policy statement from the State Department. You go look at this stuff, because when you do, you make the information yours. It's not somebody telling you something you got to rely on. You've seen it with your own eye and it's yours. 
And that's a whole different, a quote. whole different ball game. Okay, who who was going to give you a famous quote? Okay, I'm going to give you a famous quote by Bill Cooper. Oh, okay, good. He said this. He said, "Read everything, listen to everybody, believe nothing unless you can prove it in your own research." Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I had the honor and the privilege of shaking his hand twice. So, uh, years ago, and well, I've got everything he's ever put out, and yeah. I try to give it to people. Yeah. But they won't listen to me. They, they, they think I'm crazy. I listen to him every night on WWCR, that lineup. Tom Valentine, Pastor Pete Peters, and Bill Cooper. Boom, boom, boom. I, I used to listen to him on shortwave. Yeah, WWCR. I, I, I downloaded his entire uh, Mystery Babylon series. I got all his audio programs. And it just breaks my heart the way they did I, what they I, did to him. Yeah, well, it is sad. Uh, you know, I've got a, a, a something open. I haven't re-listened to it, but it's still open on my other computer, which is uh, his. I remember when he did this on the air, there's a little short book that you can go find on the Internet called The Ugly Truth About the ADL. Have you ever seen that book, Mike? You know what? I'm pretty sure I've still got that. If I've got that, I'll put a link to that in. Today. I think he's mentioned it before. Well, he's, he's got a big. He got. He got three part series on the ADL that I that's really interesting. Well, you know, let's see. Do I have that still? I do have it. I'll put that link to that narrative of him reading this short book, which is very insightful on the ADL about, you know, the guys that go up and get a parade permit in Philadelphia. And then the, when the parade comes, they're dressed in a Nazi uniform at the front of the line, that kind of stuff. Okay. More false flag stuff. I'll put that at the end of the show description, along with uh, what uh, Samuel sent me earlier that I haven't had a chance to see yet. So, I'll hopefully remember to do that, but that's a very good. If you're, needs, yeah, yeah. If yeah. you if you're not yeah, familiar with it. this, you ought to listen to it. It's 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 really startling on who these people are. Go ahead, Mike. Sorry to step on you. Uh, no, it's no problem. Uh, everybody needs to listen to his audio book. Behold, a pale horse. A that's lot a, of this stuff yeah. is a little, a little strange, but he's got a lot of information of what they've done to us about the family. Yep, and and what they've done everyone. Yeah. He was one of the real early uh, early patriarchs of our movement when it really started getting started uh, in the 90s, late 80s and the 90s. It started really catching steam. There weren't any places to go like this. You know, excuse me, Samuel, let me just say this, and I'll turn it over to you. There weren't any places you could just flip through the dial on the Internet and find this kind of information or go and get videos. There wasn't any of that. There was WWCR, and that was it. Go ahead, Samuel. Uh, there's an audio of Bill Cooper reciting from Legions of Satan that supposedly was the letter given to Washington at Yorktown. Oh, yeah, yeah, where he said the Jews are going to control you in 200 years and all that. Yeah, by Cornwallis. I heard somebody talking yeah. about that the other day, actually. There's a, there's a there's an audio that Bill Cooper is the uh, guy reciting it. Huh. Well, he was a heck of a guy. He was a little bit, uh, understandably, he had a bit of an ego, I thought, and he was always guarded because he knew he was on dangerous ground. And, you know, you get into that situation, you don't know who to trust, honestly. Uh, and, uh, and quite frankly, part of that 
a lot of that lead up was part of my decision, not all of it, but part of my decision to leave the country so many years ago is because, you know, they'd put my two teachers trumped up all these charges against them and put them into federal prison for 15 and a half years. And all they had was the answer to the tax system. Well, I had the answer to the whole thing. Okay, so I often wonder what would have happened, how they would have dealt with me had I stayed in the U.S. and tried to proffer this information. I, as it is, I've never had any threats. I've never been felt endangered. I mean, you know, I feel like Pastor Pete. Uh, what are they going to do? Send me to heaven? Okay, uh, but I've never felt endangered in any way, shape, or form. But I have been outside the country the whole time. But these guys, they go around the world and knock off people all the time, don't they? Don't they? Sure. Okay. So I don't know why, but I think it's because we're playing by the rules here. And that we've got them cold, and it's some of those other people that they go and assassinate or take out. I also know that it was part of my motivation at a couple of points here is when they take you out, it's when you've got something very damning to them and you have not put the information out yet and they can silence it by silencing you. And if you get it out and spread around, then they're going around trying to put out all the brush fires. And if they go back then and try and take you out, now they potentially make you a martyr and they don't like martyrs. Have you noticed? They've been dealing with one for 2,000 years. Gives them headaches every day. Okay? So, uh, all those things. But they haven't messed with me at all, to my knowledge. Hey, Roger. Yeah, hey, Alan. Hey, uh, I put a link in the chat room over there to YouTube. It's the uh, oral arguments from the uh, Tenth Circuit Court with that Fitzsimmon, the uh, Samoan who's went up against the government. Oh, whoa, oh, oh, whoa, oh. whoa. When they were try- came out of Salt Lake City and they were trying to uh, get equal quality for American Samoans, the recent case? Yes, yes. It's from September the 23rd, 2020. It was oral arguments. It's a YouTube. Right. If you'll move up to two hours, 56 minutes and start right there from there to the end, that's it. There's about four or five cases on that YouTube. No video. It's just a YouTube with audio. Well, you if, said... Uh, somebody would, cut would, that out from two to the end and just make an audio file of it would be great i'd like to hear it can you send me that via email if you could i sent it to you on telegram i sent it to you on telegram okay good i'll go look that was what came in on telegram a minute ago when that when that notification alert came in thank you alan two two hours and 56 minutes onward you say Right, right, run it up to two hours, 56 minutes, unless you just want to listen to all that. No, other no, 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 I don't want to listen to it. I don't have time. Uh, Somebody put uh, Roger's Telegram link in the chat. I could never find it on Telegram. You, might, you want me to put it out? I don't know. Look, I get so bugged with people sending me stuff. I'm and all sorry. I've tried to post it. I could never find it. Okay. Is this, is this Dwayne? No, this is Mike. Oh, hey, Mike. Um, yes um well i'd i'd almost not rather not put it out because everybody's sending me stuff and i got so much stuff i can't say grace over it already okay but mike send me a email and i'll send you the handle okay i just learned what it was the other day so i didn't even okay i sent you an email and you gave me the search parameter but every time i do the search parameter 
it never come up. Okay. Well, I just, was PPN, but it was something else. Okay. Well, just drop me an email and just put Telegram handle or something in there, and I'll find it, okay? Okay. No problem. Thank All you. All right. Good enough. Now, uh, as we get towards the end of the program, everybody always wants to talk now. So uh, let's have somebody come forward with what you'd like to say or ask. I've had a question for a minute. Okay. It's um, it's Omi so again, I'm new right? To all this. I, is no, a, this is Whitney. Whitney. Oh, you're brand new. We hadn't had a Whitney before. Yeah, um, I I um, stumbled across your. Um, it was a. Uh, it was on Chatbox with. Uh, I think her name was Deanna. It was a podcast that you did. Deanna, it had a lot of breaks De- in between. Right, Deanna Spingola. Yeah. Yes. Whitney, let me ask you a question. Yes. What part of the country are you calling from? Oklahoma. And you sound like you're relatively young. How old are you, if you don't mind if I ask? I know you're not supposed to ask a woman her age, but I'm I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> motivated to. No, that's okay. I'm 21. Well, I just absolutely love you already, okay? Thank you. Um, so, my... A lot of my um, questions, they're hard to find on, like, Google. I think a lot of this stuff is, like, if yeah, they I can, to I, I can imagine. They don't want you to know. No kidding. Yeah, and, you think? <laughs> and, uh, I, I want to know the difference between a U.S. national and a nationalist, because I tried, tried speaking to my dad about this, and he's like, you don't want to be a nationalist, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, it's not a nationalist. Like, it's a U.S. national. But I don't know what a nationalist well, is. Well, a nationalist so is. Well, let me give you a good example of a nationalist Vladimir okay. Putin, Donald Trump, and anybody that cares about their country as the country and not as a member of this big global community. Okay. Okay, gotcha. All right. And you will so hear more about the- you'll let me just finish here, Whitney. You'll hear and read in news stories and they'll say something like so and so a foreign national or a Mexican national or an Austrian national or an Italian national. And they'll use that label on somebody that is a citizen of that country. Okay. But in those countries they don't have two citizenships like we do. We've got two. We've got the old original state citizen now called the national and the federal citizen who was mainly a black person after the Civil War. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because he he just – and he tells me, he's like – because I'm really interested in this stuff, and I plan on getting my national by um, the end of this year. God, are you and just fantastic. Like, 21 years old. Are you guys listening to this? Go ahead, Whitney. He, he just he he just tries to shoot me down, and I think he's stuck in that, that prisoner mindset where he's like, no, you're always going to have to pay the IRS. You're always going to have to do this um, and that. And I'm like, no, Whitney, no, no. There's a right, hold on, Whitney. Hold on. I'm going to get Is she married? <laughs> would you like to be a child bride (laughs) can i ask a question (laughs) i know the question that's coming go ahead and ask her chuck i'm in oklahoma city there's another guy here in the state mark from oklahoma mark of or yeah from oklahoma and um where is your dad where where are you located where are you what to where what Uh, part of oklahoma are you in probably 35 minutes west of okc like down at 40 we're i i live in el reno 
Um, and then my dad, he lives out in uh, Cedar Lake. It's like a private lake. Right. Right. Well, Whitney, uh, I can tell you that if you would like to get a hold of Chuck and have somebody that can talk to your dad, that your dad might r- listen to a little more than he listens to his daughter. Okay. And then if you'll drop me an email at Radio Ranch, those two words, no space, Radio Ranch, Radio Ranch. at mail, Radio Ranch, no space, at mail.com, and put Whitney from Oklahoma in the subject line. I'm going to connect you with Chuck here in Oklahoma City, okay? Okay, radioranch at mail.com. I had your um, I had your email written down on some notes that I left up at my okay. job. I okay. left them up there. And my mom works up there, so she probably threw it away thinking I was crazy <laughs> or something. Well, shame on her. <laughs> <laughs> my parents, they, they just, they if they hear anything about this stuff, they're automatically, like, they have cognitive dissonance so bad that God, they just listen shoot to it the, down. And listen to this 21-year-old throwing words around like cognitive dissonance or are y'all hearing this i'm telling you whitney you give me hope for the future thank you right. don't thank right. you yes harvey meet my friend harvey here whitney hey whitney uh, i'm old enough to be your father's father <laughs> uh, so tell him i've got seniority and no really how old is your father uh my dad's 42 yes okay that's right <laughs> I'm, I'm almost twice his age. I'm <laughs> 79. Uh, um, all right. Uh, I want to tell you, we've stumbled on to a good example of a phenomenon. That is yes, uh, you're right. why society runs downhill. Um, and it's because all parents raise fools for children. And I've figured this out because parents are never willing to take advice from their children. So it must be that they assume they've raised fools. <laughs> and I could, no, I couldn't get my mother to listen to me. Uh, my, and, I, I couldn't either Harvey. <laughs> and, and I finally figured it out. All parents raise fools for children. And, and, uh, and that explains it all. So they won't take advice. Or I've went about it about it the other way. Since they won't take any advice from their children, they must figure that they've raised fools. And uh, it's a very difficult thing to do. And you have to step outside your own authority when you're dealing with your parents. And you have to say, um, I met a fellow named Chuck. And... Chuck is very, I want you to meet him. I think he's a nice guy. He's got a good heart and he's smart and he has studied this issue. And, uh, I'd like for you. What Chuck are you talking about? Not you know, certainly I'd, I'd, I'd not you. A different one. Yeah, not you. <laughs> but, but really you've got to, you've got to bring in a third party who has some authority and, uh, and you can give them the authority you know, everybody in the world knows who uh, Donald Trump is, but when he gets up to speak, somebody introduces him, and they say something about him. Well, we didn't need that, but people do it every time. 
uh, everyone gets uh, an introduction that enhances credibility. So, you know, try that, but trying to teach your parents, it doesn't work. Whitney, Sorry. when you send me your email address, I'm going to return to you a whole package of different interviews and stuff. Okay, that you will, may want to listen to. But there's an article at the start of that little package, which is very insightful, that just happened last year. And it happened in England. Are you, are you, you're relatively new to the program here, right? Yeah, I've only been, uh, this is my first like live call that I've listened to. Of right. yours and, and, um, I, I, there's this girl from TikTok and she sent in the link to this call today in our okay. telegram. Well, that's our girl Dawn. And I'm sure that's who that is. I would think. Hey, Whitney, I thought you sounded familiar. Uh, yes. Dawn, I'm under human being. Dawn, in your yes. I, God oh bless God. you. Well, part of that group as well, Don, is the reason why I'm here from TikTok. There you go. Oh, hey. Okay. Thank you. I'm Thank bossy. you so much. Okay. Whitney, there's a story I'm going to send you that you could show your dad and your mom, okay, that they might find well interesting. And it happened last year in England where uh, the mother had the baby and they were testing all the babies for COVID with that PCR test where they shove that long Q-tip up your nose close to your brain, right? And yeah. it's very painful, supposedly. I have an allergic reaction to that. They oh, put so gel you, into mine. Okay, so you've been through that, so you know, okay? Well, mm -hmm. you can imagine a little baby, and they're doing that to the poor baby, and it's squalling, and the mother objects to what they're doing to the child, and the nurse says, you can't object. This child is our property. Oh, that's disgusting. Okay, well, that's this system. You're being yeah. assigned a political status at birth, which brings the feudal system in underneath it and makes you an object of their property rights. And that is the mm -hmm. perfect illustration. And so what you do is you show that to your parents and let them look at it. I believe there's a video in there, too. Okay. And you go, this is based on fraud. And that's why they recognize it when you opt out of it. They have to. Okay, mm -hmm. and your mother and father are always welcome if they'd like to come on the show and ask any questions. But I'm going to send you a couple of other pretty good recent art interviews. The Spingola one will be in there. There's another one with a guy named Tom D from Republic Broadcasting from back in January. That's very good, I thought also. And you can, if they if they want to, if they're open minded and want to learn about this, you can give them those to listen to. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I um my dad has a friend and I asked him uh yesterday I said um is Jake a, is Jake a US national do you know and he's like what do you mean no Jake's not a nationalist and I was like not a nationalist and this is where that conversation Yes, happened. exactly. I remembered uh they came to look at my car and Jake does Jake was uh driving my car around town and he didn't have a seatbelt on and my dad was like, Man, you're gonna get pulled over. You don't even have a license, you're driving my daughter's car. And um Jake said, I've already notified the authorities in the county and the state and all that. I don't need a license. Oh. They know who I am, they know my name, they know my status. And he's like, I don't have to abide by citizen laws. Chuck? And I, I and he said that and I was wondering why he said that. And then whenever, after listening to all this stuff with um, Dawn and you and your podcast with Deanna and finding her on TikTok and I'm going down this little rabbit hole 
And it made me wonder if Jake is a U.S. national. And well, my dad was like, he can't be that because he's a felon. And I'm like, well, maybe that's the past. I don't know. So. Oh, that's interesting, okay. Whitney. And I don't know. And you're going to have to explore it. But uh, you found hey, a lifeline here. And we, we can help you out if your parents are open-minded. Yeah, who was trying to say? Was that Chuck? This is Bob. Hey, Bob. Whitney, I've got three daughters. I got three daughters who are not citizens, and you warm my heart. Yeah, isn't that if true, you have Bob? A pen and paper. <laughs> yes, it is. If you have a pen and paper, Whitney, take this down. Okay. Look up okay. eight U. Eight USC. Eight U S U S C. United States Code. Eight USC eleven oh one 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 zero one. And I'm going off of memory here. I think it's 20 and 21 or 21 and 22. I can't recall. But it defines the difference between a U.S. national and a national of the United States, which which are two different things. But they're not nationalists. That's right. <laughs> well, well we're, we're nationalistic. Nationalists could be a national. <laughs> yeah. uh, Whitney, we're about to run out of I time would, here, sweetie. And But I want to invite I you back. I would recommend Cornell Law. Cornell Law. Okay, so 8 U.S.C. Yeah, yeah. 1101 is the section he was talking about. Uh, okay, it's in the telegram uh, on t- uh, section 2122 or 2223. Anyway, Whitney, there's our whistler. Yeah, so right in there. We're out of time. And I'm okay. sorry that we are because I am charmed by you. Okay. I'm shooting you an email right now. All right. You sweet. You are. from Oklahoma. I can't wait to get a hold of it. And I'm going to send you back some stuff. And I want to please invite you to come back with us tomorrow if you're able and come share some more conversation with us because we all love you. All right. Yeah. If it's um, it's in the group chat, because that's the only way I found today's, then I'll, if it's in um, the group chat that Don sent, I'll be able to tap back into it no, i'm gonna send you out of core i'm gonna send you out to communicate with us okay bring your okay. daddy with you <laughs> <laughs> what a sweetie what a pleasant pleasant way to end the show thank you again dawn and whitney really nice to meet you and like i said you give me a lot of hope for the future because i know there's a lot of young people your age that if they don't do something they don't see much of a future and we hopefully can give them a little bit of a future, and ev- everybody gets hope off of this. And that's one of the greatest comments that's been put forward to me is, you gave me hope, okay? I've got hope again. So Yeah, you, you well, you definitely did give me hope, that's for sure. All right, well, we love you, girl, so you come back and share some time with us, okay? And I'm just okay. about out of here, and I'm going to turn this over to Jim Ram, and if you want to stay healthy past 21, you probably need to listen to Jim, too. <laughs> Okay. So, yeah, sure. <laughs> he'll get you out of all those bad habits. 